I'm Fred Robbins, New York Giants Super Bowl 42 Super Bowl champion, and you tune in and listen to the Burn Down Podcast. Forest. I do like to be Fred Robbins and have two broken hands. First down at the 39. Play action from Brady, who sets up a screen for Moroni. Tries to find a cutback lane, fumble the football, picked up by the Giants. Fred Robbins chugging down the left sideline. The quarterback Campbell trying to cut him off. Robbins down the sideline to the 20, 15, 10, and tackle inside the 10 yard line. What's going on, buddy? This is The Burnout. Today's episode, we have another guest, another athlete, mm. if you will, former defensive tackle in the NFL, 2008 defensive captain of the New York Giants, 2008 Sports Illustrated All-Pro team, and Super Bowl 42 champion. That man is Mr. Fred Robbins. What's going on, brother? What's going on, man, fellas? Thanks for having me, man. It's an honor and a privilege to be on the show with you guys, man. Man, thank you, man. We appreciate you taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule to sit and have a cigar with us here on the Burndown. It's been a long time coming, man. It's like almost a year we've been trying to get you on, trying to match schedules. Very glad to finally get you on, brother. So thank you. Oh, yeah. Well, let's, let, let's do it. I'm ready. <laughs> I know. I know he's eager to smoke a cigar. So let's get right into it. What are you smoking tonight right now? Man, I got us a uh, nice Atabay, man. I figured since I'm be on with you guys the first time, man, you know, just kind of, you know, go all out. You know, I, I've been uh, a friend of mine turned me on these, you know, a few years ago, man. And, uh, uh, you know, here in Pensacola, my, my shop I go to. And uh, like you said, man, they, they say smoke a cigar, man, when you're around, you know, good company, good people, man, just have a good conversation. So that's why I broke this Atabay out, man, tonight for you guys, man. I mean, that's a Atabay is one hell of a stick. They just came, you know, they've, they've come around recently in the yeah. past couple of years. And I remember when we first had it. That's one hell of a stick. It's such a good cigar. It's like smooth all the way throughout. Every third changes. It's like beautiful. Like, mwah, I just can't, I just can't get enough of them. But, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so tonight I'll be smoking. I have here. I don't know if you ever had this before. It's uh, Prometheus the Lounge God of Fire. So this is a 2016 Serie B. Oh, the God of Fire. Yeah, that's a good smoke. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I just turned 30 yesterday. So you know, I had to, I had to whip it out for uh, for Fred Robbins and uh, my birthday. So salute. Oh, happy belated birthday, man! Oh, yeah. appreciate it. You're the man. You're the man. Thank you. We'll get the cheers rolling in a second after yeah. pour them out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I'm smoking the Placencia Amafuerte Sixto. So this is the, I believe it's a six by sixty hexagon shape. Love Placencia. Love the Amaforte's. Yeah. And uh, this is going to go great with Eric. Uh, tell. Mr. I don't know Robbins if you ever had this here. before, Fred, but this is one of our new favorite bourbons. I don't know if you're a bourbon whiskey guy or what have you, but we love this Angel's yeah. Envy. Hey, the Angel's Envy is some good stuff, man. Buddy, mine me on to about a year ago, man, and you know I haven't, you know, I, I keep a bottle of that. In, in, in the cabinet too, man. <laughs> For that late night, yeah, that's night cabinet. That's awesome. Yeah, so yeah. We'll, uh, we'll pour it up. And uh, usually, uh, well, not usually, right now, we'll, uh, we'll cut these. We'll pour it up and we'll get the conversation going. Sounds good. All, All right, right let's get it.
So I should have asked you, Fred, but what are you drinking tonight? Oh, <laughs> uh, have a, uh, some Uncle Nears, man. I made me a uh, a whiskey sour, man, with some Uncle Nears. So uh, that's that's kind of like my my go to drink as of late. You know, uh, good stuff, and um, hey, I, I enjoy it. You know what I mean? And uh, I became more of a whiskey bourbon guy through the years. I used to be more of a a, a cognac guy, but as I got more and more involved, you know, with, you know, uh, with cigars, man, I started making the the, uh, the crossover, you know, to, to more whiskeys and bourbons, man. So, <laughs> yeah, so it, I mean, it, it passed well, you know what I mean. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's 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 a good drink, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, you got it. I mean, once you once you start getting into cigars, it's the bourbon, the whiskeys. It's just the the flavor notes are just yeah, it's just there. They just complement each other so nicely. Were, were, were people around yeah. you drinking more bourbon and whiskey? Is that how you got into it, or you kind of just wanted to venture off for yourself? Oh, uh, you know, I kind of uh, you know, as, as I got more and more involved with cigars, man, the more start hanging out more. You know, uh, going to lounges. You know what I mean, and just meeting people from different places. You know, when I when I go out of town, and uh, you know, once you get into lounges, man, people have recommendations. You know what I mean, and so. Uh, a lot of times I just, you know, I might see something in the store like, hey, I remember somebody was telling me about this. And, you know, I might try it. I might like it. And I'm like, okay, look, this there's some good stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's kind of like how I really got more involved with it, man. Just kind of, you know, having those conversations that you never thought you would have with people. You know what I mean? You find a common bond, smoking cigars. And, um, you know, that's, that's what I enjoy about it. And you kind of, you get out of your comfort zone a little bit. You know what I mean? You typically... <laughs> You know, you get away from what you always accustomed to doing, and that's what I love about cigars, man. You you meet people, man, and it opens you up a little bit more. You know, like in, in your social life, and gets you to try new things. Hey, oh man. yeah, I mean that's that's what it's all about too. Is stepping out of your comfort zone, right? We always talk about it is growth only comes when you step out of your comfort zone, right? Yeah, so and that's the same thing where <clears throat> with cigars is, and there's so many that you could. They're always coming out with new ones, right? Like the Atabay, that's only been around for a couple of years. That's a new cigar. They're always coming out with new stuff, so there's always good things to try. So since we're on the topic of cigars, when did you first start smoking? You know, what was the first, what was the first cigar you had? What was that like? Uh, the first time I ever had a cigar, man, I was in uh, I was in college. It was um, uh, they had, they had a, at a Wake Forest man had a ritual where um, you know when the singers at the last at the last college game. They get they get a singers a cigar and uh, I believe it was a like a like a Nat Sherman you know what I mean uh, uh, and so I saw the cigar and I remember my coach one of my old coaches was saying like look hey you know just relax chill man this this not you know this this not a college life type of thing man. this a grown man deal you know what I mean <laughs> and so we didn't really understand it at the time man you know we didn't understand the con you know the the history behind cigars man uh, sure but. Hey, it, it, it was it was relaxing, it was soothing, you know what I mean? And uh and throughout the NFL, man, I really, you know, my first couple of years, I really wasn't I, I didn't smoke a lot, but like, you know, when I go to like a lounge, I might have one. And then when I got to New York, it kind of just really like really grew into, you know, more of like a uh habitual thing. You know, you started seeing like, you know, the, the pleasures of it, not just something that you just do randomly. You know, you really just when you got some downtime, man, you just want to enjoy yourself and with good company, you have a cigar, you know. So it was more like a a, a, a lifestyle, you know what I mean? Cigar smoking, that's how I realize it's more like a lifestyle, not just something casually you do every day. You know, it's a lifestyle that comes with it. Most definitely, man. Most definitely. Did you have any favorite cigar lounges when you were in New York? Uh, 
you know, rent, most, mostly we just smoke over each other's house, man, like on the patios and, yeah. you know, stuff like that. And that's how I really kind of got, you know, started. I wanted to really learn, like, what I was doing, you know what I mean? Because the worst thing to do is try to front and act like you about cigars when you go to the lounge or something, man. People, <laughs> you know, so I really wanted to know, like, you know, the history, the culture, you know what I mean? And, uh, and so the more, I, you know, friends of mine did over each other's house, man, then we – Ventured off, went to more more lounges, and or we went out of town somewhere. We put in town, we might go have a smoke somewhere. So um, that's that's really how it came about. Yeah, that's a good point too. Is is it's not so much about where you're smoking; it's more about who you're smoking with. Oh yeah, right. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be at a lounge. It doesn't have to be at these fancy restaurants, these fancy lounges. Some of the best conversations and the best times is when you're just hanging out at somebody's house with your boys, having a cigar, having a drink what's all about i mean that's essentially that's what we're doing right now i mean we're on zoom you're in florida we're in new york we're having a cigar we're having yeah. a good time and speaking of which what that's what it is oh i took a we sip. have to we, we have to cheers that's right to mr fred robbins joining us on the burn now so fred thank you very much and here's to you man thank you guys cheers yo salute brother yes, salute salute Oh man, good stuff. Oh, that stuff is great. So that do you do great. you have like uh do you have like a group of guys or a group of cigar buddies that you hang out with that you you smoke cigars with all the time? Yeah, man, we have a uh, a group of guys, man. Normally, we try to get together at least you know once every two weeks, uh, meet up at different places. Man, we have a couple of places around town, uh, a lot of outdoor spots, you know, here in Florida. Uh, so we try to meet up and someone always uh, the next spot. You know what I mean? That way you don't kind of, you know, just uh, burn out one spot all the time. So we all just rotate, pick off every spot, you know, have some dinner, have some drinks, and, uh, you know, go, go enjoy a nice smoke. You know what I mean? And uh, we always bring, you know, recommendations as far as, like, you know, a new bourbon, a whiskey to try. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, and, and we also just go visit other places as well locally. Visit cigar shops, you know, uh, you know, the, you know, close by us, or when we go out of town, and so we always try to uh, build that bond. And you know, sometimes we say, "Hey, bring somebody new, bring somebody that you think might enjoy, you know, a, a, a casual cigar." You know what I mean? And and so we just kind of really just open up those doors, man. You know what I mean? For you know, more friendly conversations. You know, just hey, people get to know each other a little bit better. Hey, some guys, you know, I, I meet. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, uh, we rarely talk about sports, you know, but it's all – you just never know what you're going to talk about when you have a guard with somebody. I mean, nothing's really like off the table or out of bounds. You know what I mean? You're there enjoying the smoke, man, and, and, and I, I truly believe, you know, smoking a cigar, man, it, it brings people together that you normally wouldn't conversate with. You know what I mean? And so that's that's the pleasure and joy I get out of it. No, Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the if – you, if you go to the website on, about us, it says – we're a cigar. We bring people together over a cigar, that's right. and that's you know that's what it's all about is having those friendly conversations. And like you said, is you know you being a a sports guy, right? Being in the NFL, you can have, sit down with somebody, have conversations, and it'll you never talk about football. Talk about something completely off, something that you're absolutely passionate about, and you would think, oh, I'm going to sit down with Fred Robbins. I want to talk football. No, you might talk something completely different because that's just where the conversation goes. Different. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. exactly I, I always right. say, you know, presidential debate should be held at a cigar lounge. And oh, you just- oh shit! Oh shit! <laughs> oh shit! No, that is not happening right now. You just pulled a rookie move. 
Oh! Let's go. Mr. Fred Robbins is a witness. <laughs> oh! Throw it on the board, baby. Let's oh. go. We needed that. Hey, man. Happens to the best of us. I can't believe I just did that. That's amazing. <laughs> I've been waiting for this day. Oh, okay. You know, so, let, you got yeah. you you to wipe man. it off. But uh, oh so earlier this year, you know, we were pulling rookie moves left and, left and right. If you don't know what a rookie move is, it's when you drop ash on yourself. So we try to have fun with it. And uh, someone recommended that we should take count of how many times we drop ash on ourselves, a.k.a. rookie move. So we got a little chalkboard here. And for like half of the year so far, no one pulled a rookie move, neither Justin nor I. And our last guest, which was uh, Jessica Stokey Chick, I pulled one. So I had a mark of one on the board. And now, lo and behold, we have our next guest, Mr. Fred Robbins. And Justin <laughs> pulls a rookie move. The score is tied. Wow. Rookie move, man. So, so the bet is, so whoever has the rookie, most rookie moves at the end of the year... The person who won and the person who lost will go to a thrift shop. We're going to find the ugliest dress that there is. They're going to wear it. They're going to put on heels. And we're going to shoot a podcast with the dress on. And Loser's got to wear a dress. Yeah. Right now, it's tied. I can't believe I just did that. So Dang. if we both tie at the end of the year, then we'll both wear a dress. But Rookie move. That was hey. great, man. That was uh, great. So anyways, we'll get back on that. Oh, what was that? You got to witness that. <laughs> So, I mean, we'll get back on topic, man, but, you know, I can't believe that happened. That was great. You started yelling. I thought, like, you were on fire or something. Oh, I was like, stop, drop, and roll, goodness. brother. Oh, that was great. But okay. going, going back to, you know, the community, the, the you know, being around everybody and good conversations and just making people better. You know, how do you how do you find this community of brothers of the leaf, sisters of the leaf? Do you do you see a lot of females out in Florida smoking? Do you talk to any females smoking cigars? Do you talk to – what do you usually see out there? Man, I, I, I think really, I think that's the most, uh, you, know, you know, thing I've noticed, especially, you know, the, the past few years is, uh, uh, you know, the number of females, uh, you know, that smoke, uh, that, 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 that enjoy nice smoke. And, uh, you know, typically, I mean, I asked, you know, a few friends of mine, well, hey, you know what, you know what, they're always curious about it, you know what I mean? And, you know, some of them just felt like, hey, it wasn't, you know, a, a womanly and it's more like a manly thing. You know what I mean? But I enjoy, you know, seeing like friends of mine now, man, you know, uh, ladies, you know, who, you know, who smoke cigars, you know what I mean? And uh, they enjoy it. I mean, it's, 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 it's about conversation, having a good time and just the you know, relaxation. I think the, 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 the myth and everybody has uh, about cigars. I really don't think they just don't understand the culture and lifestyle behind it. You know what I mean? And I think a lot more people now are, you know, understanding it and they starting to see like some of their friends do it and, you know, some, you know, celebrities and, you know, things of that nature. So I think people are more just open to it now and hey, at least, at least try it. You know what I mean? And if you try it and you have a good conversation, right. And, you know, people having a good vibe, you know, wherever you be, wherever you at, then you probably have a chance to really enjoy cigar smoke. But if you go somewhere where it's just a wrong atmosphere and people not really enjoying like the lifestyle or the true meaning of it, then you probably won't smoke it again. So I think the you know, uh, brothers at least, sisters at least, I think uh, those are the type of things that people are really taking notice to and just giving people the opportunity to look, hey, at least try it. Then you look at you know, all the different cigar events you know, around the country, you know what I mean? And uh, the big smoke in Vegas, Atlanta, and you got some things down in Florida, you know, the state where you guys at. So 
I think people, you know, really just catching on and seeing the wave of uh, and the trend of cigar or smoking really is more of a lifestyle. You know, they, people like to dress up. You know, people like to dress up and go to nice events. And you always see cigar events where it's nice. You know what I mean? There's nothing really like, you know, bad or no bad image about cigar smoking at all these events. You know what I mean? And I think that's why you're starting to see a, this big wave. Uh, so that's why I think, you know, the brothers and sisters of Leaf are really kind of open up those doors. And uh, even what you guys do, man, like this show, I think that's just really open up the doors to more and more people really understanding what it's really all about. Most definitely, man. So what would you say uh, cigars <clears throat> means to you? Like, what do you get the most out of cigars? Is it the conversation? Is it time to yourself? Is it relaxation? Or what do they mean to you? Therapy. <laughs> therapy. <know>? Bang. <laughs> Bang. Cheapest therapy session there is. Yeah, man. You know, you know, it's, you know, uh, you know, sometimes, I mean, it's a lot of times I like to just enjoy smoke by myself. You know, I like to just, you know, uh, sit back out on the patio, whether it's one evening or one early afternoon or one late morning. You know what I mean? Sometimes I just need that time to myself to think and just, you know, relax and just kind of clear my head. You know what I mean? And that's what, you know, uh, that, that's what it does for me. And then there are also those times where, you know, hey, I want to, you know, I want to be around some good company. You know what I mean? And so you, I know the exact people who to call if I want to smoke a cigar. You know what I mean? Oh, so, yeah. uh, and, and that's what it does for me. I mean, it just, it, it can put me in a relaxed mind. You know what I mean? That, that I need to be by myself mode or, hey, I want to have a, you know, a good time. So I think that's, it has many different uh, variances for me, you know, uh, uh, you know, cigar smoking. But mainly, man, for me, it's just, you know, therapy. You know what I mean? If when my buddy's going through something, man, hey, come over to the house, man. Let's let's enjoy a nice smoke, man. Have a little glass of whiskey, man. Let's let's iron it out. And I think that's kind of what, you know, because it, it, it kind of gets your mind off of what, mm. you know, they're going on anyway. You know what I mean? Yep. And so that's what, you know, I like about it. And also just meeting different people that I normally I probably would have walked by, wouldn't have said anything to. Now, if I go to a lounge or go to a nice restaurant out back and have a smoke, you know, cigar smoking brings people together, man. Hey, what are you smoking? Everybody's always curious about what are you smoking and this and this and that. And, and so I think that's kind of opened the doors up for, you know, more conversation. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's an excellent point. And, and we had mentioned too, is I think you had mentioned it at one point in one of the episodes is that you never feel bad or feel worse after smoking a cigar like it always makes you feel better you always feel good while you're doing it so like you had said you got a buddy who's going through a rough time or even if yourself you're going through a rough time come on over let's iron it out with a cigar and you'll always feel better after you have a cigar most definitely i couldn't agree more i mean it's it's like i said it's the easy or the cheapest therapy session there is it's there's nothing like coming to yourself decompressing and just relaxing and kind of thinking about what you got to do what's next just good conversation i mean i i I keep saying it i mean look what a cigar brought us we brought a super bowl champion and two podcast dudes from new york at one spot and here we are today so it's a beautiful thing man yep so let me me ask you this what this is an interesting question i love asking this to people because it's it makes you think right because this was asked to us at one when we were on somebody's podcast i'm like oh shit we gotta ask that so, if you could smoke a cigar with anybody, dead or alive, who would it be? Man, I mean, there's it's a lot of choices, you know, but, uh, you know, probably, 
uh, you know, probably Muhammad Ali. You know what I mean? Wow, nice. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would like to sit down with him, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's just so much. You know, so many questions I like to ask, just from uh, uh, athletic perspective, but also just just from the heart. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't. It, it's it's. I don't think you ever, you'll ever see an athlete like Muhammad Ali again, man. You know, just from you know what he went through, what he risked, and what he stood for, what he. Uh, you know, what, what his heart told him, you know what I mean? Uh, he was just, he really didn't want to help anybody all walks of life, you know what I mean? And uh, I was just, you know, want to sit down and just ask him what, what's that, what was his drive like day to day, knowing mm -hmm. all, all everything you went through, what what make you keep going, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, I, I would like to, you know, talk to uh, Muhammad Ali, man. I think that's who I would like to. That's a, that's a good answer. I would love to hear about his, I mean, I don't even know if, if he does smoke cigars or if he did, if he was an avid cigar smoker, but I would love to hear like about his mindset because all those people, those, you know, the greats like that go yeah. down in history, they all have a, just a different mindset, right? And he was like one of the one, I think it's famous, one of his famous quotes is I I knew I was the greatest before anybody else knew I was greatest, right? Like yeah. I, I I'm like I know I'm the great. You just gotta wait until yeah. one of the along the long like that's just another level of confidence. Right? Confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we we yeah. we've gotten some interesting uh answers. We had uh I, I liked another uh response. We had we had um Ben, who is sister sister and smoke on Instagram, and she said Tupac, yeah, and she was like, man, you know, I just want to hang out with Tupac and have like some some very similar to you, like understand his philosophy and his mindset, and we're gonna be drinking this all day. I, he's smoking an LFD double hero. She like she was getting like into it, like naming the cigar, the alcohol that they'd be drinking, and oh, I was, wow. and she's like, we're gonna be in the low rider, we're gonna be doing this. I'm like, man, like, have you thought about this before? <laughs> and she's like, no, it just all came to me. But then that's really what inspired us to ask that question because her her question was so in depth, and I was like, damn, that's that's pretty interesting. Like she was going, I'm like, what cigar would Tupac smoke? And she's like, oh, LFD double A hero. That's the first cigar I'm giving him. We're going to be talking about life. We're going to be talking about this. And I'm like, dang. And then I started thinking, like, you know, Tupac's still alive, and he, you can go pick up a yeah, cigar. Yeah, like, I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, wait, yeah, did yeah. you do this already? Like, did this happen? You did, right? <laughs> so that's that's uh, that's always a good question. But, yeah, because I think one of the questions yeah. was uh, was along the lines of who would be at your round table. Like, if you had to pick five people to sit, sit at your table, who would yeah. they be? And they caught us thinking, like, okay, dead or alive, who would it be? And then it's such a tough question you know i mean i appreciate the answer of you know coming up with an answer like really quick because it's that's a difficult question i mean out of everybody that's ever lived or is currently living it's hard to pick just one i mean right maybe you know yeah. today like you said maybe muhammad ali if i ask you the question again you know five weeks from now it might Probably be a different, different person answer. yeah yeah do yeah yeah <laughs> you know or if i said hey you get to pick five people it's like oh god five I yeah mean, we've been we've been asked like three people five people and i was like you know, hold on. Give me a minute. Let me yeah. write, let me uh, think about this real quick. But uh, if we want, let's let's transfer over now into some of the sports stuff. You know, the first question was, you know, was it your dream to make it to the NFL? Like, what was that feeling like, knowing that you have the capability and the skills, and also you feeling you, you knowing that I made it to the NFL? You know, man, I started out, you know, playing like little league baseball. That was the first thing I did. I started playing when I was what, six years old, and uh, 
you know, I, I was always like a pretty big kid, but back then, man, when you play like youth pop Warner, they went by like your weight, you know. So when I was like seven, I would have had to been playing like with 13, 14 year old kids, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so I, I played baseball, man, and, and initially, man, up until high school, like I wanted to play, I wanted to be a professional baseball player, and I didn't start playing football until I got to uh, high school. I played like ninth grade and. You know, I liked it, you know what I mean? Uh, and I didn't play – I didn't play at all in my 10th grade year. Uh, and then I hit like a growth spurt and I went back out again like my junior year in high school. And, uh, you know, that's when I really, you know, excelled, you know, and uh, started getting like a lot of attention. I was always a pretty good student, you know what I mean? So uh, things started happening, you know, fairly quickly for me in high school. And, uh, you know, that's when I really – that's when I really started loving football like, you know, my, my 11th grade year, like in high school, you know, and, uh, you know, after my 11th junior year, man, I had already passed the ACT, I already had my grade. So the only thing I had to do was just stay healthy and, uh, you know, and, and play play good my senior year, which I did. And uh, Wake Forest, you know, uh, that was the only school that was kind of recruiting me that initially told me, look, hey, you can play football and you can play baseball. And so my favorite athletes at the time were like Bo Jackson and Dion. They were both oh yeah multi-sport guys. So I'm like, hey, you know, man, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be another two-sport guy. <laughs> but I didn't realize like how recruiting works. You know, they tell you <laughs> they tell you anything, man, just to get you there. But uh, but when I got to Wake, man, you know, I enjoyed it. You know what I mean? I started really, uh, I st- I started really uh, enjoying it. You know, uh, a lot more. I was getting really good at it, and so hey, and, and things worked out for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's beautiful. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of where you know football kind of you know, you know grew on me, and uh, especially like you know my my last year in high school, my senior year, I back up a little bit. Uh, I used to write in people's yearbook like you will see me in the NFL. You know what I mean? I, I was that dedicated. You know what I mean? And a lot of a lot of friends of mine stayed close to home, went to college close here, but Wake Forest was what ten hours away, and I wanted to kind of get away from my hometown. I want to go as far away as I could, man. But I felt that it helped me stay focused, you know what I mean? And kind of forced me to, um, you know, it forced me to get out of my comfort zone. It forced me to, you know, meet new people, get around new people. You know, I was, I was kind of quiet. I mean, I was a quiet kid, but not around my friends, you know what I mean? But yeah. I was quiet, but going to college, man, and not knowing anybody, it forced me to, you know, level up, you know, forced me to, go to a, you know, a, a higher spot, you know what I mean? And so uh, I, I credit football for it, man, because, you know, football teaches you a lot of different things other than just the brute force of it. Just teach you the discipline and communication and learning how to get along with people who you never thought you would, you know, speak with any other time. Yeah. I, I can kind of, re- I can relate to what you're saying, how football, you know, helped you come out of that um, comfort zone of not really talking to people and then being on the football team, right? Because I played basketball in college, and I always say that being on a team helps you because you all, you're not knowing anybody when you go to college. You are already part of a team, so you already have a group of guys that you can relate to. As soon as you get there, day one, you got a team, and you're like, okay, you know, I got these guys. They're, we can kind of relate. We're all playing football together. We're all playing basketball, whatever it is. So it kind of helps you. It gives you a little bit of – um, push to get out of that comfort zone of not knowing anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that you had a similar situation being on the football team at Wake Forest? Yeah, you know, it just, uh, you know, it, you know, I, my freshman year, I was red shirted, and uh, 
And then, you know, so I didn't play at all, but I got used to that college life, you know, and I didn't, I didn't like it. You know, Hey, I never set the bench anything I played growing up. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden you get to college and it's not like, you know, you're a wake force. You think you're going to play and start at wake force, you know, but, <laughs> and so he raised her the whole team, but it got me a chance to really understand college life. And that's what I, I mean, I, I got a lot out of that by not playing. It helped me make that adjustment, you know, and, the next year, I man, I won a starting job. So I started as a red shirt freshman, you know, and, uh, you know, I led the team and like talking for losses and stuff like that. And, uh, as a defense lineman, you know, I remember a buddy of mine, he was a singer at the time and he was like, man, I was meeting with some agents, man. All, all I could talk about was like, who was that number 90 kid? You know what I mean? And so that's when I realized, Hey man, this, this can happen. You know what I mean? If I just keep, keep working, just keep getting better. And I had, you know, some good positive coaches. Uh, you know, that they, they, they kind of say, look, hey, don't don't get the good big head. You ain't really did shit yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, you know, if, if, if you keep working and keep getting better, man, you just never know. And that's what I that's what I strive myself on. And so I didn't, you know, for the summers, I, I stayed at college. I didn't come home. I might have came home like for a week and a half just to see my folks. And I went back right back, you know, to Wake Forest to start working in summer school. And because I, you know, when, when something is that close, man, you know what I mean? It's something like a dream. It always had, you know what I mean? And the people who believed them, I didn't want to let them down. I got a, I got a big family here, you know what I mean? And everybody was, you know, rooting for me and cheering me on and, and whatnot. And I didn't want to let them down, man. And so that's what I just, you know, kept the focus, you know what I mean? And uh, hey, everything worked out. So what was, what was the feeling when you, when you made it, when you got called, when your name got called, you got the contract. Yeah, what you, was that feeling? Like, what was the first thing that you did? When you said, "Yeah, I made it," man, it was it was, it was crazy, man. Because I tell you a funny story. Like I was, you know, uh, awake, and uh, I played in the Senior Bowl down in Mobile, and uh, the Carolina Panthers they uh, they they were coaching me in the Senior Bowl, and so they're like, "Hey, look, we love you, man. We're gonna we're gonna draft you. You know, if you're around, we, we want you to be a Carolina Panther." And uh, you know, it was right there by Wake Forest, and less than an hour away. So I'm like, "Wow." And uh, I, I talked with them again, you know, at, at, at the combine, and they came and worked me out again for my pro day. And I went there and worked out again. And they're like, "Look, man, we we want to draft you." You know what I mean? So I thought I was going for sure going to be a Carolina Panther. And, and on draft day, I get this call from Minnesota, and, and I, I I had never talked to Minnesota now one day, you know, in this whole process. And Dennis Green calls, they look, hey, you know, sit back, relax, you know, say so we, we about to draft you. We let you gonna let you hear your name and hey, we'll call you right back. And I'm wow. like, all right. And hung up the phone. And then I saw my name come across the screen. I'm like, wow, you know what I mean? And it was that moment, man, that you just kind of like uh you know, you live for. You think of all of hard work. I had a flashback of like all of the sprints I ever ran, all the stadiums I ever ran, and all the times I practiced in the rain, all the extra hard work and it's for that moment. And I think, you know, even not just for me, but just for my family, you know, people who, uh, you know, drive me back and forth to practice or picking me up, you know, who put every ounce of energy, man, to help me achieve this, man. And it was just like a surreal moment. Uh, but then, like, when they called me back about 10 minutes later, they already had my flight and everything arranged to go to Minnesota. But wow. so it's like, enjoy it. But, but hey, tomorrow we get to work. You know what I mean? And so <laughs> – Think about the NFL, man, everything happens so fast. Like you really don't have time to kind of 
like process everything. You know what I mean? It's just like you really got to enjoy that moment when it happens because the next day is like, okay, draft day over. You know what I mean? It's it's time to go to work. You know what I mean? And so that's how it, it, the business side kicked in after that. You know what I mean? College is fun, but once you get to the NFL, you have some fun moments, but it's all a business, you know? Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah the, uh, we, we interviewed, um, we had Eric Coleman from the Jets on, and he calls it, I think he called the NFL, he had an acronym. Oh, not for, for long? Yeah, the NFL was not, yeah, for, not for long. Not for long. Yeah. The what have you have done for me lately. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was saying something very similar. Like, you know, it was exciting to get drafted, but, you know, it here today, gone tomorrow. So you better get work, get ready for work. So and we uh, just talked we, about, we actually, um, before, you know, earlier uh, this evening, we had filmed uh, another episode and we had talked about celebrations and we talked about how it's good to, you know, when you get your, you achieve something, you have a, a win in your life. It's good to, you know, you celebrate your win, but don't over celebrate it. Celebrate it. Be thankful, be grateful, appreciative, have your have your fun for the short period of time, and then back to work. What's next? Yeah. What's the next goal? And it's kind of yeah. very similar, right? You appreciate it. You celebrate it in that moment. You take it all in. It's like, all right, time to get to work. Yeah, man. Yeah, time to get to work. Exactly right. So how, so how is it going from being a Southern guy and then moving up to cold, cold <laughs> Minnesota? <laughs> man, you know – that's, I mean, you go from the, you know, complete opposite. You, you go from Florida to Minnesota, man. There's, there's, it's, you know, there's no gray area. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I had to get used to it, man. Like Minnesota, Minneapolis is a beautiful city, man. You know, but it's the brutal winters. You know what I mean? But, you know, and uh, I remember I, uh, I was dating uh, my, my wife at the time, her and I were dating. I was like, hey, you know, somebody left, you know, a bucket of sand out by the driveway. She was like, nah, that ain't sand. That's like salt. You know, you got to go out there and salt the driveway. And I'm like, you mean like with a shovel, I got to get out there and do this? You know what I mean? And it's just so much you got to do, man. You know, you know, snow tires and chain, you know, all that, you know, heating your garage, man, and special windshield wiper fluid, windshield wipe. It's just too much you got to do, man. You know what I mean? But uh, it, it was brutal. And then also to play in Minnesota and have to play in places like Chicago at that time, you know, like Chicago and Green Bay, you know, oh, in that division, man, I'm like, and you know, I was like, oh, my goodness, you know, and, and the Green Bay and Chicago, they both had outdoor stadiums, man, and we always played them around December, you know what I mean? So, uh, but, you know, hey, you know, that's, that's part of what the game is about, man. You know what I mean? And uh, But I, I enjoy Minnesota. Outside of the, the brutal winters, I mean, it's beautiful. You yeah. know, as long as you ain't got to play in that shit, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. So what was it's, what uh, was the, what was the, like, coldest, most brutal day that you had that you had to play in? Uh, you ever went to the Super Bowl? We played Green Bay in the 2000, 2008 NFC Championship. Yes. When it was, like, minus – and then almost like minus twenty with the windshield. Yeah. I, mean, that was the coldest. Oh, I remember that. It <laughs> was like the coldest uh, I ever been in, man. You know what I mean? Your, your hands numb, your fingers are numb, man. And you know, we we went to overtime. We was like, one, and one, I was like, hey, let's just get this damn game over. <laughs> you know, but like uh, I haven't felt my hands since the se- second quarter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, damn. and uh, but that, that was by far the coldest game I ever I ever played in. You know what I mean? But you know, hey, you got a chance to you know go to Super Bowl, man. So hey, we 
we fought through it. It's, so, it's worth yeah. it. It's worth it. So before we yeah. talk about the Giants and the Super Bowl, so you were with the Vikings, what, for like three years, 2000 to 2003, around there? Four right? years. Yeah, four right. years. Yeah. So you were at like Randy Moss, Chris Carter. Yeah, John Randall. John yeah. Randall. Was Michael Bennett the running back back then or no? Yeah. Uh, our first, my rookie year was uh, Robert Smith, okay. Ohio State, Robert Smith. Uh, he was our running back. Then we had Michael Bennett come. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, so how is it playing with like two Hall of Famers? I mean, Randy Moss and Chris Carter. Like, do you did the, you get any good takeaways from them playing with them? Man, you know, just uh, you know, Randy Moss probably by far like one of the most athletic guys I've ever played with. You know, just you know, really a freak of nature, man. Just, just probably one of the most talented guys I've been around. You know what I mean? And uh. We had our quarterback at the time with Dante Culpepper, and Culpepper mm. could throw it a, a country mile. You know what I mean? And it, it was like, it was, it was games, man. It felt like saying, you know, backyard football. Yeah. Hey, just just go deep. I'm gonna throw yeah. it to you. And we score. You know what I mean? And our, our, we had a high powered offense, man. You know, with you know Moss and Chris Carter and Hatcher, Jake Reed, Michael Bennett. You know, they was Robert. They was all Pro Bowl guys, man. And uh, you know, uh, it was it was amazing, especially you know, see two guys like that and. It, and it was a crazy thing because Larry Fitzgerald, uh, he was all ball boy. His dad was a uh, really? his his dad was a Minnesota Vikings uh, uh, sports writer, right? They, he lived he grew up in Minneapolis, and he was a ball boy man in training camp. And so I tell people all the time, man, like you know he used to be out there practicing, you know, with Moss and Chris Carter, and you know what I mean. So you wow. practice those guys while you're in high school, man. Of course you're gonna be a beast, you know what I mean? But yeah. You know, yeah, man, it just goes to show, man, like, you know, what the, the, the influences they had, you know, on somebody like that. You know what I mean? So I I, I remember that, that man. And uh, Larry Fitzgerald is a great guy. But now I'm pretty sure he'll tell people, too, man, look, hey, if you're in high school and you had a chance to practice and learn and run routes with random Austin Chris Carter, come on, man. Yeah, you man, talking about taking advantage of an opportunity. I mean, oh, yeah. that's a really cool fun fact. I, I mean, Randy Moss, yeah. Randy Moss was like – I'll never forget. I, I'm pretty sure. I don't know when it was, but I remember it was like a hail mary. He caught it like a half. It was like a halftime, maybe on Thanksgiving. He caught it and he was getting. He was falling down and he like threw the ball over his head and someone else caught it and ran for a touchdown for like a score. I mean. I, oh yeah, yeah. I, I was yeah. I, I, we were playing. Uh, who, I think we were playing Detroit at the time, man. I, it might have you know been on I mean? Thanksgiving. I think they play on Thanksgiving. Yeah, it might have been yeah, on Thanksgiving, yeah. but that was like one of the most memorable days I remember from him. But. Now you're now you moved to New York, so yeah. Now, it's now my my team. Yeah, right so uh, <laughs> Justin's a big Giant fan. My family's big Giant fans. You know that Super Bowl that you yeah. guys won. I Before mean, you, I just want to say thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for that Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we needed that one. <laughs> it was a great. It was in my opinion, it was the greatest Super Bowl of all time. Hands I down, hands loved down. it. <laughs> hands down, the best yeah. Super Bowl I've ever watched, ever been a part of. But. Were you excited to go from Minnesota to New York, like the Big Apple? Was that like a, a big deal for you? Yeah, I was, man. You know, it. Uh, you know, Minnesota, man. I had a chance. I had a chance to uh, to resign uh, back with Minnesota, but I kind of wanted to get out of Minnesota. I'm like, look, hey, let me just. I just felt it was time for a change, something different, and uh, I had three teams that are really interested. Uh, the top three teams, you know, which was the Giants. Uh, Atlanta and uh, Houston, uh, the, you know, the Texans. And uh, I was like, man, wow, you know, Atlanta would be nice, man. I'd be closer to home. You know, I got a lot of you know, family and friends that live in Atlanta. 
uh, being my agent called and look, hey, you know, I got the Giants reached out to me and they look, hey, they, they want you to come to New York. You know what I mean? And he told me, say, look, if, if you go there for a visit, you know, you, you're not going to leave. You know, you're not leaving until you sign. You know what I mean? And uh, I remember leaving Minnesota and I landed landed in uh, New York and my agent already had the deal done. He was like, look, I got the deal done, man. All you got to do is pass the field school, which I knew I was going to pass. You know what I mean? And, uh, and you know, New York, man, you know, I think they did that shit on purpose. They fly you in at night so you can see all the lights and see the skyline of everything. <laughs> yep. And, uh, all tactics, like, baby. Wow. You know, because actually that was my – that was the first time I had ever been to New York, you know, uh, when I flew in, flew in there, you know, for my visit. And it was like a wow moment for me. You know what I mean? I was like, whoa. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is way like, bigger yeah. than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, if I ain't, I ain't, I ain't leaving here. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, uh, toured the facility, talked to people, had a chance to hang out. You know, uh, you know a little bit. You know, uh, that that night and the next day, man, before I left, man, I said, look, hey, this this is where I want to be. It just felt, it just felt right. It felt, you know, I didn't, I didn't have to go nowhere else. I didn't have to go to Atlanta. And, uh, you know, he, I had already been in Houston before in a way in Atlanta plenty of times. But, you know, I was like, look, now nah, this this is it. And then when you think of it, when you walk into the facility, man, and you just see, like, all the history of the Giants, you know, you know, all of the Bill Parcell, Lawrence Taylor, you know, Frank Gifford, all those guys, and the history and the trophies and, you know, from the ownership, man. And uh, I think that's one of the most things that they always, you know, say, you know, you know, uh, faith, family, and football. And, you know, from the owners of the Giants, man, to really – know who you are and really to be involved with the organization it was a no-brainer man it just felt right at home and i just pulled the trigger that's awesome that's friggin that's a, that's, yeah. that's, new york the, that's new football york. giants that's the new york style baby yeah. that's the new york style it is so I, yeah. i'll let you i know i know justin's got some some giant questions so have oh, yeah, well it. well first question is and this is was kind of i mean i i had only Figured this out when I went to uh, to college. So Coughlin used to coach before his his professional days. He had coached with either assistant or head coach. I'm not quite sure at a college in upstate New York called Rochester Institute of Technology. Um, that was when we had a football team. They didn't have any football team, and that's where I went to school. So after you guys won the Super Bowl, I believe they had had him back for an interview. Um, and talked about it. I said, holy shit. I said, Tom, like, Coughlin used to coach. I said, that's my guy. He used to coach for us. And now he won the Super Bowl. So how is it, like, how is it playing under Coughlin and, and that whole year? Like, take us through that, that year. year. Yeah, the Super Bowl year. Let's start. How was it playing under Coughlin? How was it? Do you guys, like, know in the beginning, like, oh, we got a shot? Or was it, did it kind of develop over time? You know, I, I'll tell you this. It was, a, it was an experience for me, man, because – when I played in Minnesota, I played under Dennis Green. Dennis Green was like, hey, you know, he believed in like, hey, you're a professional. I, I shouldn't have to put police everything you do, right? So he was more like a, a true player's coach, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like he let the veterans kind of, you know, lead the team. Like, you know, um, then when I got to New York, Coughlin, you know, he was – Everybody heard the stories I called how hard it was, and you know, and it's true, but you know, he loved football, you know what I mean? Not to say no other coach did, but Coughlin really loved 
you know, football every day, you know, early, man, he was like, look, how can we get better? You know what I mean? How can we, he, he just strived to that. And I think it took a, uh, it took a lot of the time for guys to kind of really buy into that. You know what I mean? Guys knew we are pretty good, you know, but as a, as a, as a group, you know, we were good, but once, once we came together, we became great, you know, and I think that year we won the Super Bowl is, you know, before then we were all football, 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 right? But that year, I, I remember we did something different as a defensive line. I got a defensive line coach at the training camp. We said, look, hey, every night in training camp, you made a different defensive lineman stand up and, and talk to the guys for about, you know, 10 minutes. Tell us something about yourself, not football related. You know what I mean? And it taught us something, man. You know, I could sit here and tell you, like, what's Strahan and Tuck and Ozzy's and Cofield, they, what's their favorite pass rush move. But we didn't know each other off the field, right? So guys really just found out a lot about each other that year. You know what I mean? Like where we come from, our background, some adversity that we faced or how we overcame a hardship. So now you're you really learning about somebody. And so now when you're playing on the field, I might know why, you know, for I'll just, for example, if, if, if Cofield wasn't playing well, I can, okay, now I know him on a personal level. I know he's probably going through some stuff in his life. Now I know how to come at him to pick him up and lift him up a little bit better than just dog cussing him out if I know he just ain't performing. So it gave us a chance to kind of really get to know each other on a more personal level, you know, and I really think that's one of the major factors, man, that kind of like help us propel you know, to the Super Bowl. You know, we learn how to get along better, you know, and really take constructive criticism, not from the coaches, but also from our teammates. Where before, if any guy, we had a lot of personality. I mean, New York is a personality place. Yeah. You know what I mean? And don't say nothing to anybody wrong. But you, you you might hear some shit you don't want to hear. You know what I mean? But we, 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 we assume that, man. And so we learn to really take constructive criticism from each other to make us better. And I really truly believe that's probably one of the factors that help us prepare for the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's a good point because it kind of before, like you had said, before you guys got to know each other, you were, you were teammates. But then after you get to know each other, now you guys are brothers. And you transition yeah. from that teammates to brothers. And now it's like, no. That's a huge switch. Like, it's a huge switch. It's like going being like a friend to like a, a brother. And like like you said, once you know you're in the trenches yeah. and someone's struggling, you know I'm on a personal level. You can really get deep and talk to them and kind of get on a personal level with them while they're down and kind of pick them up as opposed to saying, let's fucking go, you piece of shit. And like yelling at them. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I can yeah. totally see that. Because I, I played football all throughout high school. And my coach, my coaches always made sure that we got to know at least five, ten guys on our team because we were all from all over the place. But it was like, you know, we're not going to get anywhere if you don't know who you're playing with. Yeah, you know their name, you know where they're from. But it's kind of like remember the Titans, you know? Like yeah. They're, they're yeah. sitting in the dorm rooms and they get to know each other. Like that's that's how you become a oh, team. Oh yeah, you're a family. Yeah. Because some people, yeah. like some people, respond uh, differently to different types of criticism. Like some guys. You can get in their face, like you said, just cussing at them, screaming, yelling, and that's how they respond because they it lights a fire. And other guys, you might do the same tactic, and that may just put push them even further down because yeah. they don't respond that way. Yeah, and you won't know that until you actually get to know who they are as a until person. You, exactly. And Coughlin did the same thing, man. I remember, you know, that year, man. I remember, you know, 
we were supposed to have a practice man out there in training camp and we got out and called him and was like, hey, no practice. We're going we're going to put put golfing. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> that must know, have been a but, sight. <laughs> you go all like 45 yeah, big we like, ass what? guys what, what all playing putt putt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was like, what what the hell's got to the coffin? You know what I mean? But <laughs> for us, it was like, look, he's trying. You know what I mean? He's trying to open up. You know, he's trying to you know, do something we'd appreciate and we were, and we recognized it and, you know, we responded, you know what I mean? And I think that's what's kind of, that's what he needed to do. It's kind of like, look, Hey, we know you love football, right? But let's enjoy this, right? Let's not be all harsh all the time. Let's, let's enjoy, you know, you know, having fun, you know, at the same time as working hard. And that's what we took from him. That's how we responded to him, man. You know what I mean? He, he lightened up that year, you know what I mean? I mean, not from coaching, but just opened up more, you know, showed us a different side to as well. Wow. So, so tell, so we got to ask, tell us about it. How was it? Yeah. You make it to the Super Bowl. You got to play the undefeated high power offense, New England Patriots. And you guys hold them to 14 effing points in the Super Bowl. I mean, what was that like? Like, what was the game plan going in? Like, how did it feel when you're watching that, that the the timer go down? You're like, we yeah. fucking did it. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, you know, we played them like the last game of the season, the regular season. And I think they beat us by three. And we're like, man, look, man, we could, we can play with them. You know what I mean? And we like, we went back and we, we, Rewatched that game. I don't know how many times we were like, "Look, we're gonna see these guys again." You know what I mean? And when we do, man, we we just gotta play really like a flawless game, pretty much, so to speak. You know what I mean? But we had a tough road, man. We had to go to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay was a good team that year. Yeah. Then we had to go back to Dallas and then Green Bay. And Dallas and Green Bay, we played them at the beginning of the season. Both of them put forty points on us. You know what I mean? And I think everybody was kind of picking Dallas that year to win. Dallas, that's the year. Dallas was like, I think they were the number one seed uh, uh, that year. Um, yeah, they were. We was the lowest seed, so we went to go play them. And Green Bay was the number two seed. But, you know, we were like, look, we can see these guys again. And once we beat Tampa, Tampa was a pretty good team too as well. But once we went into Dallas, whipped them, and they went to Green Bay, we was kind of like, look, hey, man, it's on between us and the Patriots. We knew we could play with them. And, uh, but the secret, man, is just really getting to Brady. You know what I mean? We had, the, the you know, uh, a bunch of rotational defensive line. And we're like, look, we're just going to keep each other fresh. We're going to rotate. And the key is just to get Brady on the ground. Even if you don't sack him, just hit him. If you're around him, just hit him, rattle him up. And if you can get to Brady, man, without blitzing, I mean, you could, I mean, you can win, you know, and the game plan wasn't to like, look, hey, we weren't, you're not going to shut them out. You know what I mean? (laughs) They know what offense in the league, you know, but make them have a bad day. Right. Right. And for them, a bad day is, you know, 350 yards past, you know, know, because they were lighting people up, but it's just to don't let them be consistent, you know, rattle them a little bit. Don't let them have, so get them off their game plan. You know, hit Brady as much as you can. Hit them a lot. Hit them often. Don't be afraid. If you're within that two-step rule, don't be afraid to put the lick on it. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so if you go back and look at the film, and that's what we did. Anytime we was around him, somebody was 
some of that was hitting him, getting him frustrated. We were showing him different, you know, different blitzes. People come from everywhere, man. And our defense line, the defense line, we, we we did a great job of getting to him, even when we didn't have to have to blitz. But the key is also is just a good offense. The more our offense ran the ball and just had the time of possession, the you know the less time Brady had on the field. And right. so that's was kind of that was kind of like the game plan. A, a good defense is having a strong offense who can control the ball. And I think you guys sent the tempo for that because I feel like that's been the mantra throughout Brady's career. Like I hear other teams say, hey, as long as you get to Brady and you don't give him time, you rattle him, you know, if you can get him off his game, you know, that's where you win. And I feel like that yeah. still holds truth today because I still see other players and other defenses say the same thing if you have. And it's like if he, you know, if he's like you said, a bad day is three hundred fifty pitcher, but if they're gonna score Make them work for it. Yeah. Right. It's the same thing, like we say in basketball too, right? If if the guys, you know, guys come into the lane, like if he wants to get his two points, foul him hard. Make him earn his two points at the free throw line. Right. It's the same way. If they're gonna get their points, uh, they're gonna put yeah. fourteen points, twenty. Yeah, no make them freaking earn it. Don't make them get three easy bombs over the top of your head. Like make them work to get those yeah. points. No doubt. No doubt. It, yeah, because you look at it that year, man. It was just. Sending Moss deep and Wes Welker just coming underneath. You know what I mean? Like, look, don't just give them a 60, 50 yard touchdown pass. You know, like you said, make them work for it. You know what I mean? And the more we have them on the field, the more we can hit them and the more chance they have of making a mistake. And also, we just had to play a flawless game on uh, offense and special teams. We had to win, you know, time of possession, mm. you know, uh, you know, you know, get you no know, win the turnover battle. You know, and they had a great team, man. You know what I mean? They had, they had a great team. But we, we did everything right, you know, we did everything right to uh, you know, to have us win the game. You know I mean? They, they played a good game, but our defense stepped up and offense did a hell of a job controlling the clock. Yeah. I mean, they had a great team, but you guys had a better team. Yeah. yeah. So so speaking of that, you, gotta, you know, what – what was your feeling? Like you're on the so this is the last drive. You're on the sideline watching this unfold. Three things. What was your feeling watching Eli Manning elude those freaking all those D linemen before he get before not getting sacked? Then David Tyree ooh, um, catching that infamous helmet catch, and then Plexico scoring it in, and now you guys ultimately won the Super Bowl. Like what was that train of events and that range of emotion you were feeling? Man, you know it's you know. That's why uh, that's why I attribute Coughlin. Coughlin studied everything, right? He studied. We would watch the tape like the night before games of like how the game ended for everybody else the week before, right? He would we would watch a cut up <laughs> like of the referee. So if you were a line judge, Coughlin would give us a scout report on you. Okay. Wow. This how many flags he's thrown. This is why he's thrown the flag. So I know going into a game, you know, if you're a line judge or a back judge, what you looking for, right? That's smart. And so that's how Coffin was wired, you know. And that Eli played when he got away. They actually practiced stuff like that because it happened. I forgot which team it was, but it happened to another team. And but the tip was. As a defensive guy, don't ever give up. Like, regardless, just wrap him up, hold him, take him back until the referee blows the whistle, right? So we watched that tape, and then Coughlin had the offense practice that, like practice the scramble like what Eli was doing. 
if you, if they, I mean, they, they show it a lot, like on a, on a, on a rewind on TV, like how they had Jay Lorenzen rapping Eli around that week in Arizona, practicing that exact thing, right? Because we had watched the tape early on, wow. and we always we always end practice like with two minutes, like two minutes left on the clock. Coughlin give us different scenarios. Okay, it's one minute, fifteen seconds left. Offense has one timeout on a minus thirty. You know, we practice that every week, every day. And so to see those guys do that two-minute drive, like, we was like, okay, this is coming to fruition because we do this shit every day. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've seen it. And so we see, like, every play, like, unfolding, like, okay, they're going to run this route, he's going to catch it. Boom. Damn, he did it. And so when we saw, like, the Tyree cast, he caught on the helmet. I like we gonna win the fight. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, was, know, that, like, that was like third and long helmet. too, right? Yeah. And everybody thinking like, shit, yeah. if you don't catch this, now we're fourth and long. Like, and I and I heard and I watched uh, I watched a video on YouTube and it was saying like the week of practice or the day before David Tyree was practicing, he was dropping every single ball. Like he was having a terrible practice. And Eli Manning was, was like, he had Eli Manning was like, listen, yeah, he had the worst practice ever. Yeah. That's what that's what they were saying. And Eli was like, "Listen, you can have a bad game today, but I know in, during game time, during it's crunch time, I could trust you." And I thought that was so crazy. Yeah, yeah. But when he caught that, I was like, "Look, man, this this we gonna win the game." And then that route that Plaxico ran, you know, for the catch. I mean, we've seen that over and over and over every week during the NFL season. You know, because we they practice two minutes like that every week. That's one thing Coughlin did. You know what I mean? He used to tell us in training camp, like, look, it's, it's some things we're doing right now. We might not need it until later on in the season, but we're going to continue to do it, right? And they just got – our offense just got better and better every week. And and we can, like, on defense, okay, look, we knew, like, exactly what plays they were going to run <laughs> because we've seen it over and over and over, man. So once he caught the ball, like, okay, let's just go out here and shut him out these last three plays and we won the Super Bowl, man. So what was that feeling like? Like knowing that 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 drive was probably one of one of not if the best Super Bowl drive, and now you're a champion. Like, what was that feeling of emotions that you were that you were going through? Man, it's surreal, man, because it's like you you, you think about. I thought about for me all the time when I was a little kid watching the Super Bowl, right? And you got all these emotions going in and. Kind of like when I told you guys, like when I went to college, you think when I got drafted, you thought about all the, the sprints and everything else you ran. And then that, from that point, all the things I've done in my career, like there's a lot of guys, man, who played this game for a lot of years, man, who never even been to the playoffs. You know what I mean? But we had a chance to win the Super Bowl. And uh, it's like everything that you work for your whole life is for this moment. Everybody wants to be a Super Bowl champion. You know what I mean, and you got you got to take advantage of the opportunity. You just never know what's going to happen again. And I tell you, like my first year when I was with the Vikings, you know, uh, we played New York in the NFC Championship game, and in New York Giants beat us four to one nothing when I was with the Vikings. You know what I mean? And I tell people, like, look, man, it took me like nine years later to get back to this moment. You know what I mean? And so you just never know when that moment's going to happen again. You know what I mean? And so. I mean, it was surreal. I had my family there to support me, uh, to celebrate with me. And, but those, the celebration, like in Arizona, but when we got back to New York, man, it was like, oh my goodness. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> that was, that was like, 
the best ever, man. You know what I mean? But it's definitely something, man, that it never gets old talking about. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, it's, it's always – always going to have that memory, man, just for real. I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing because we always talk about, like, everything happens for a reason, right? And when you were talking about going through your, your – your, um, Playing, you were practicing with Carolina before you got drafted, right? You practically there saying, hey, we're going to draft you. Hey, we're going to draft you. Hey, we're going to draft you. And you're going into the draft thinking Carolina's going to draft you. And then all of a sudden, Minnesota calls you, and they draft you. And you're like, okay, I guess I'm going to Minnesota, right? Yeah. So then you go to yeah. Minnesota, and you make a huge tra- – so you're thinking you're going to Carolina the whole time, but then all of a sudden something happens, and Minnesota picks you up, and now you're in Minnesota. And then you're you're saying, okay, now I'm going to – you know, I'm going to – switch cities i'm gonna go somewhere. and now you're looking at new york atlanta and houston and then you're like ah, i don't really know and then all of a sudden you go to new york yeah ah, something just feels right here i'm gonna go to new york yeah and then yeah. sure as shit you win the fucking super bowl it's like it's just amazing how you could have ended up in carolina and went with a totally different route yeah. but you went with totally minnesota got spanked by yeah. the giants and then ended up at the giants because something yeah. felt right it's amazing how things yeah. happen that's what i tell that's what i tell you know guys i work with now man like listen man you know some point you just gotta trust the instinct. Like the NFL, man, it's not for long. It's really like no no real loyalty. You, you just really gotta trust yourself. You know, in Minnesota's like, look, hey, we wanna resign you. We wanna resign you back. You know, let's we got a chance to win, you know, go to Super Bowl, win the division, go to Super Bowl. But I'm like, look, let me just explore my options. You know what I mean? And I tell people, man, look, man, no, don't be afraid to step out. You know what I mean? You just never know what lies ahead. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, hey, hey, who's to say, you know, we could have won something in Minnesota, but things worked out because it felt right. You know what I mean? And, Don't you, got you know, for what New York was doing, they brought in the right people, right coaches. And it's just, like I said, it felt right. And so, hey, I pulled the trigger and boom, Super Bowl champion. Kudos to you, man. Cheers to that. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Like I said, thank you very much, sir. For the Super Bowl chant because it was the greatest Super Bowl of my life. Yeah. I I mean, I remember I was in high school. I remember being at my buddy's house and I remember watching that. And I remember going bananas and running out out of his house, running out of his house, take my shirt off in the middle of the winter Mm -hmm. in February with snow and just going bananas. Uh, So the fact that we have someone who was a part of that on our podcast is truly humbling. So I remember that because my buddies, my the guy I grew up with, he lived next door to me. And his father was, may he rest in peace, but he was an avid Giants fan. And every game, he used to put on every piece of Giants clothing that he had. I mean, sweatpants, socks, mm-hmm. slippers. He had two hats. He went one forward, one backwards. And I remember during when, when he caught it, he goes, Yo, oh, he caught it. Oh, he caught it. Everybody was going nuts. Everybody's going crazy. And then Plexico scores. We're like, oh, everybody's just going crazy i mean it was we're gonna happened. beat the Patriots. Yeah. i can't imagine actually being in that game oh, and knowing I, I that feels oh. like. but you know we'll, we'll, you know because it was crazy making the, the week we were in arizona it was like nobody gave us a chance in hell i, I remember you know, we were hanging out you know in scottsdale you know a couple of days you know days you know a week before and uh they were having like victory parties for the patriots super bowl Super Bowl parties and you know flyers and shit already made up. We're like, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it just really because you guys were what you guys go regular season. You guys were nine and seven, yeah, right? Wild, you guys were wild card, I believe. Right? Yeah, you guys were like yeah, complete yeah. We, underdogs. We were, we, were, we were the number. We were the number six seed, man. We were, we were the six seed. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, uh, we finished ten and six. We finished ten and six with a six seed. 
And uh, nobody gave us a chance in hell even then, man. You know what I mean? Because we beat number three, what, the Buccaneers. And we beat number one, Dallas, and number two, Green. So we beat the top three seeds you know, that year. You know what I mean? And uh, it was just, you know, it, it, thing, things things went our way, but we played a hell of a game. You guys played and, a perfect uh, game. The Pacers, the Pacers didn't have an off day. We just we just outplayed them. You yeah. know what I mean? And, uh, we had them rattled. They was, they, they was frustrated, cursing at each other on the field. And once we saw that, man, we knew we had them, and we just kept applying the pressure, man. So what do you miss about being an NFL player? Yeah, I think, man, just the the camaraderie, man, being around the guys, you know what I mean? Not 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 the football, like, day-to-day stuff, but just, you know, like the locker room, the playing rides, you know, just, you know, chilling in the hotel with the guys, you know what I mean? The away trips, you know what I mean? You really miss – you know, that camaraderie, that brother, you know, because, you know, we, we spend a lot of time with each other, man, you know, day in and day out, you know what I mean? And uh, you just never know when, when, when things are going to, you know, guys take a different route, injuries, guys retire, you know, guys get cut, you know what I mean? So you really got to, those relationships that you built, man, you know what I mean? We all keep in touch. We, we got a D-line group thread, man. We chat every day. We send each other funny memes or say something crazy, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's, it's, it's just it's a testament of, you know, what we went through that year, you know what I mean? Uh, when guys got to know each other, now we know each other more like on a personal level. You know, guys are a lot lot more involved with each other, man. We support each other, you know, on and off the field. We always keep each other up to date, you know, things are going on. And so uh, that's what I miss, man, just you know, those fun, good times we had, you know. Most definitely. I, that's, how, that's what I miss about, too, playing mm-hmm. sports. You miss mm-hmm. that camaraderie. You miss that, that brotherhood with everybody because you spend a lot of time with them. And you guys get – you have all the inside jokes. And, like, man, there's, yeah. no, there's no – there's nothing like being on a, on a sports team. And, and you guys actually enjoy being around each other and can grow with together. And it's, it's a very unique experience for sure. So, I think – I think we're, uh, I think, what has it been? It's been about. It's been over an hour. Yeah, so we thank you for about over an hour of your time. Um, oh, man, thank you guys. Well, uh, usually we give you the red carpet at the end of uh, the episode. So we know you have a foundation, uh, Mr. Robbins Neighborhood. So please tell us what we could do, what people could do for Mr. Robbins Neighborhood and anything else Anything else you got going on. Yeah, yeah. So we, my wife and I, we started this nonprofit uh, really just to give back Uh to my, to my hometown community and uh, just kind of, you know, uh, expose some of these up and coming, you know, youth athletes, you know, uh, you know, the, the business of sports, you know, I mean, right now, you know, the business of NFL is already in college. Now it's in high school, you know what I mean? And just kind of letting these kids, you know, be aware. I want to take every tool, everything I've learned throughout my professional career and kind of educate these high school athletes with it, you know, and it started, just with education, because where I'm from, Pensacola, at one point we had like the lowest graduation rate in the state of Florida. And so, uh, but we have a lot of guys, you know, from my hometown who made it to the NFL, like uh, Derrick Brooks, Emmitt oh, wow. Smith, you know, Trent Richardson, Doug Baldwin, oh, wow. uh, you know, a lot of guys, man. Yeah, we, we got uh, uh, Josh Sinton, Green Bay Packers, man. So we got, a you know, a bunch of guys, man, from this area, uh, Dominic Hickson. Uh, really? you know, you know, yeah, you know yeah. him and I went fishing the other day, but uh, I saw that on so the gram the other day. You posted it, I think. Yeah, so we got a lot of guys in this area, man, and uh, 
we just I, I really want to push that education tool back into sports and getting these kids more educated and also not just with sports because you know it's, it's a only select few make it but I'm not trying to kill your dream but I'm gonna show you other opportunities too as well other career paths and so uh, we got a lot of support and it started in my hometown uh but now I'm just trying to take it you know nationwide I had Brandon Jacobs come down uh last year before COVID he came to my camp and spoke to kids and he wants to adopt the program and bring it to Atlanta nice. you know and so that's what it's all about man just kind of connecting those resources, man, and just uh, like what we do in the cigar world, man, just doing it on, on, a, on a smaller scale, these kids, man, these youth, these athletes, and just kind of showing them, especially now with NCAA came out there ruling, they ain't imaging lightning, they can start, yeah, you know, kids can start um, profiting off of that, man, but you know, if, 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 if kids don't know, they don't know, and the parents don't know as well, they don't know what to tell them, so mm-hmm. just kind of expose my black book to them and give them all the resources they need to you know, to be more successful, man, and and, and and whether it's my community here or whether they move and go away to someone else's community, I want them to be, you know, just pretty much, you know, proactive citizens, man. That's awesome, man. That's a great, that's a great deed you're doing, so we appreciate that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, thank you, guys. Well, Mr. Fred Robbins, thank you again very much for your time, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us here in the Burndown. We had a blast talking to you, getting to know you. We loved it. It was a wonderful conversation. So, with Thank that you. being said, yeah, man, let's send it off. Cheers to you, Fred. Cheers to you. Cheers to be on the burn. Cheers, Salud, my man. Thank you for your time. Hey, I wish you guys all the best, man. Continue doing the good work you guys do, man. I'll be watching you guys. You're the man, man. Thank we you so much, it. brother. Thank you Cheers. very much. Cheers. I'm Fred Robbins, New York Giants Super Bowl 42, Super Bowl champion. And you tune in and listen to the Burndown Podcast.